Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello and welcome to another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name, as always, is Riley Johnson and my co-host is the trusty Robert Reinhardt. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing well, watching a little bit of the PGA Championship, so all in all, a pretty good Sunday. Yeah, our Deeks, I don't think, are doing too well, uh, although I did see Bill Haas hit a phenomenal shot yesterday on the 16th hole. Um, you can read about that, Mr. Hayes Permar over at Sports Channel 8, um, but I don't think any Demon Deacons are going to be winning the tournament, but uh, it has been pretty entertaining golf. How's your, uh, how's your weekend been overall? You know, been pretty solid overall, can't complain, uh, you know. But, um, you know, not as good as yours. I know you're at a wedding down there in Orlando, so a good time for you. Yep, got to uh, visit the great Sunshine State, which has its pros and cons, but uh, we got back without incident into Charleston, so we are back and ready to talk about some Wake Forest football, which is uh, good because there was a second scrimmage yesterday as we continue working towards the August 31st kickoff date, which is now just 18 days away where Wake Forest will host Presbyterian. And uh, whether or not we're ready, you know, they're going to play the game anyway, but uh, fortunately we have been practicing and we will uh, hopefully be ready. But uh, what are your, uh, what were your overall thoughts about the scrimmage yesterday and uh, I guess your initial takeaways because there were a lot of different things that I think came out of this scrimmage uh, th- than, than the first scrimmage. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway here is probably, and, you know, I know we got questions about it, but I was actually pretty excited about the offense. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people are going to talk about Wolford's performance had another very strong performance. Uh, Hidden and yeah, Kendall Hinton and Jamie Newman actually had pretty decent performances as well, but I was also pretty pretty encouraged by uh, some of the stats I, I showed from the receivers. Now, I, I know, I guess, if you're going to have good passing stats, you're probably going to have good receiving stats as well, but um, in terms of some guys you're looking to step up, I thought some key guys made some uh, some big numbers, including Cortez had a really nice catch. You can see that um, on, on Twitter with uh, you know WFU football recruiting made, made a nice catch. 46-yard grab for a TD. So I think overall uh, better production uh, from the offense, which is definitely encouraging to see something we're going to need to see heading into the season and obviously the main topic of tonight's quadcast. What what were your uh, thoughts on, on yesterday's scrimmage? Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and uh, since we're focusing on the offense uh, primarily tonight, we can go ahead and address the elephant in the room, which is once again the John Wolford, uh, his play. He went 10 of 15 for 204 yards and three touchdowns um, compared to Kendall Hinton, who went uh, 6 for 9 for 77 yards. Uh, Wolford did get sacked twice. Uh, Hinton got sacked once, and uh, Jamie Newman went 5 for 6 with 56 yards, and he was also sacked once. Uh, keep in mind that in these uh, type of scrimmages, if you you are touched, then usually you are considered down. So that uh, those stack numbers are, are much better than the nine that we experienced uh, a couple weeks ago. But once again, it seems like Wolford, not only is he – putting up the bigger number he's almost getting more snaps it seems like and and in these types of situations it's very hard to tell you know are you trying to work Wolford with the second and third team guys or um, you're just trying to protect Hinton you know he's at a slight disadvantage because while both guys run well Hinton really relies on his explosiveness more to make uh, things happen And, and of course 
the defense that they're playing against, too, knows the strengths and weaknesses of both players. But if you know that Hinton is looking to run, then, you know, you can do a little more to contain that. But but I think we have a pretty big uh, question there at quarterback, and we've touched on this a lot. Uh, and I think – Coach Clawson has made it very clear that he is expecting to play both guys. So uh, Hinton is still listed at the starter, and we have him on uh, the first line at the updated depth chart. But John Wolford is also going to play. And based on their injury history, it, it wouldn't surprise me if both guys saw a lot of time, as well as possibly Jamie Newman. So all of them have to be ready. But do you think Wolford's play in these scrimmages, and not just the scrimmages, but we've also heard he's done very well in the practices, do you think that's putting a, a little bit more pressure on Clawson or has changed his mind um, but where we were coming into the year thinking that Hinton would just be the starter. Yeah, I think he certainly put a, put a lot of added pressure on Clawson, though Clawson seems to um, go out of his way, I guess, a number of times to mention sort of what you just mentioned about it being difficult in these types of scrimmages to um, about, maybe evaluate is not the right word with Hinton, but to really for him to display all he's capable of just by, um, you know, being limited as a runner, not just a runner in, in terms of a broken play, but being limited as a runner, you're not really going to run any zone read. Uh, so I think those are a lot of opportunities that are, that are taken away from Kendall Hinton. So Clawson goes out of his way to say that. Um, but so I still think Hinton will be the starter, and we can, we can talk about this more. But Wolford, a, a tremendous job over the two scrimmages, 24 for 30 for 335 yards and five touchdowns. Now, I wouldn't expect those stats to translate <laughs> all the way, but but, the, but those are some, some very good numbers. And even if you go back to the bowl game against Temple, he, he started off a little, a little rough, um, in, but then had a, a phenomenal game, really, after the first two the first two series, and, and that was an opportunity for him to get a little bit healthy, healthy there as as he, you know he was he was banged up throughout throughout the year. So, you know, I think this is encouraging because if Clawson is still stating publicly that that Hinton is likely to be the guy, um, and Wolford's putting up these numbers, I think that says a lot about the way that Hinton is probably performing in the practices. And I, I think that's definitely encouraging to Wake fans to know that, you know, these guys, they're getting even more reps in the system now. Um, hopefully we can have a, a quality option at quarterback this year. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting when you – and I, I went over this a little bit last week, but the main thing that I try to take out of this is reading into the coach's comments, reading what Coach Clawson says about Kendall Hinton and then reading what he says about um, John Wolford. It, it's clear that he knows that – Wolford is a very accurate quarterback, as he states. Uh, I quote, who's the more accurate passer? I could have told you before we started camp that John will be the more accurate passer. Uh, obviously, in these scrimmage setups, Wolford is going to perform better. Um, he, he is the more accurate passer. There's nothing wrong with saying that. That's just the truth uh, and where they are at, at their development right now. But Hinton has a lot of stuff that in game that, yes, Wolford has the ability to break long 60- to 70-yard runs, as we saw against Elon in Virginia. But Hinton has that, that – it factor where it comes to explosiveness at the line that, that you can't really teach. And when he gets in there, he, he's very, very, very good at that. Um, I think the comments that Clawson had about Wolford, uh, he's, he's playing really well through the two scrimmages, have three weeks to make a decision. It almost sounds like he's stepping back a little bit and saying, hey, this may be a little more competition than we thought coming in here. Um, and those numbers are very impressive, especially considering how good our defense has been the last – 
two years and last year in particular. So once again, I don't know exactly the reps of where Wolford was going up against the the first team defense versus where Hinton was going up against the first team defense. But those are really impressive numbers against a top 25, top 30 defense. So if Wolford can translate those numbers over, then that's going to be fantastic. So at the end of the day, they're both probably going to play. If, if I had to guess right now, I still think Hinton is slightly ahead, but um, it just depends on what we're trying to do on offense. If we can't get the run game going and we need Hinton to kind of step in and uh, make plays happen with his feet, then he's going to get the nod. If, if the line can block long enough for the run game to get going and we can just you know have some short outlet passes stuff like that where Wolford is better at that then then Wolford's going to play so I think it it might depend on situation and scenario and as much as I really dislike playing two quarterbacks and think it's not necessarily for the best of the team or fair to either guy in in certain situations you just have to roll with it until until we we figure out who the best one is and right now I still think it's a toss-up even after two to three years of uh, competition. So we'll see. And that's going to continue to be something that we, we get a lot of questions about. People care a lot about that. But in reality, they're both going to play, and uh, hopefully one of them steps up. And if one of them does get injured or hurt for a game, which they both have been injury prone, then it's good to have two guys like that who can, uh, who can do that. But kind of league into it a little bit, we've got the running game too, which is the other part of the uh, offense. you got the passing and the running. So the – Looking at these guys that are coming back from, exactly, looking at these guys that came back from last year, um, we don't have Tyler Bell coming, but we still have Kate Carney, Matt Colburn, and we add Arkeem Burr, the redshirt freshman, and Christian Beal, the true freshman. Right now, Carney and Colburn are clearly the one and two at running back. They've shown that they can run. They combined for eight touchdowns over 1,100 yards last year on the ground at a reasonable four yards per carry. That's fine. But who's the third guy, Rob? I know we've got Arkeem Burt, we've got Christian Beal. We talked a little bit off air on this and a little bit last week. But if the season started right now, who do you think is the third guy, and who, who's the guy that you know that may not get a lot of carries? I would go with Arkeem Bird. I, you know, you go back to when he first committed to Wake Forest on on National Signing Day of last year. The the staff was do, doing somersaults to the best of their athletic ability. <laughs> they were absolutely pumped. Flip, flipped him from from Missouri, and um, you know I think he would have would have probably played last year had it not been for uh, for some lingering injuries. But he's a guy who's got a, a lot of a lot of ability to really hit that that home run um, run. Carney, I know he had the big run against Duke, but he's definitely more of a power back. Colbert, he's shown some burst in his in his past, but he's more of a of a steady back. They're both good backs, but uh, neither of them are are the true athlete that that bird is and you know Clawson made some comments after the the second scrimmage yesterday that that he really liked that uh that bird was running hard and, and I think also look if if it's close I I would say Ty goes to the red shirt freshman over the true freshman and Beal uh just in terms of Beal will likely play this year I would be very surprised if he didn't but um if Clawson is somehow able to get a you know, an extra year of eligibility for Beal, then I, th- I think he would do it. Um, so I, th- I think Bird right now would, would be the guy at three. Yeah, and I think I agree with that right now as well, just based on how the runs were allocated and the comments that Clawson had about both Beal and Bird. There's no doubt Christian Beal is going to be a very good player, and he's going to do good things in the uh, black and gold. But 
if we can save a year for him, then we want to make sure we're getting the four best years available. If this year he's only going to be the fourth string or maybe even the fifth string because there's also Isaiah Robinson who uh, he, he ran two years ago. I believe he was out last year with an injury. But, you know, if Isaiah Robinson can come in and plug up some of the uh, the carries at that fourth spot, if Bird does prove to be the third guy, then the staff has to take a long, hard look at how we're going to use Beal. Can we move him out? Can we flex him? Can he play some wide receiver? Can he run? Uh, and, and if the output's not going to be much higher than what Isaiah Robinson's doing, then you have to you have to save that year so he can uh, he can perform as a senior instead of a, a freshman. And, and I, I know we're focusing on offense tonight, but Clawson said I think last week in some of his uh, quotes that Markel Lee he felt was wasted his freshman year. Um, you know they they didn't want to really burn that shirt, and you know he's now the starting middle linebacker for the Raiders, and you know he could have gotten another year out of Lee. So. You never know, but if we can save Beal, then I would like to do it. But I think he may be, uh, I think he may be too good to, to keep off the field. But I do think Bird right now has that third spot. And, and once again, they, those guys have a very different style of running than Colburn and Carney. Colburn and Carney love to just bowl guys over, and they've got some speed there. But uh, Beal and Bird have breakaway speed, and they can go lateral as well as uh, up and down the field. So it, I think if we can get three of those five guys that we just mentioned to run well and stay healthy, then we're going to be in good shape. But right now I think it is Carney, Colburn, Bird, and then Beal is maybe below that. And I don't really know how Robinson plugs in there. I haven't heard a lot about him. Um, there haven't been a lot of quotes, but I, I know that he obviously has helped us in the past. So we'll have to see. Uh, the good thing is we are much better than we were in 2014, 2015, and last year, uh, where we were, as you put it, unspeakably bad uh, at running the football in 2014. We were last in the country in rushing, 107th in passing. We were last in success rate and isolated play. So that that means we were not staying on schedule, weren't getting three yards of play, and we also didn't have any explosiveness at all. So um, we're getting there, and that, that – kind of moves to the offensive line a little bit where if they're blocking long enough for it to make holes and to uh, give these guys room to run, then that, that usually helps the running game. So um, let's let's flip over a little bit to wide receiver. Uh, do you kind of want to run down the, the, the three positions there? We've got the X receiver, the S receiver, and the slot. Uh, do you want to look at the two deep and uh, who, who you believe the starters will be and also impact players at the wide receiver position? Sure. Um, and, you know, quickly before we get to wide receiver, I thought you made up sure. a gr- you brought up a great point sort of about Markel Lee there in, in the last comment. And I think that can actually apply. Well, that applies to the whole team, but I think that could really apply to, to wide receiver as well. And if you look at the year that Markel Lee played as a true freshman, I agree. He, he played just on special teams, I believe. But, th- but that was an example of, of Grove being in his last year um, and, sort of trying to do whatever it would take to, uh, you know, to get the best players on the field. Now, Mark Ali was one of the, one of the best, um, but, you know, th- that wasn't best for the long-term, for the long-term of the program. So I do not blame Grove. That, that's an incentive alignment. But Clawson, having just gotten an extension, obviously every year is an right. important deal, but, but he, he knows he has job security. So he, he can make these decisions with the next four and five years years in mind. So I think that that will come into play with with some of these receivers that we talk about. But uh, at the X, at the X receiver, we have the X, the S and the slot. Um, I think you're going to look at Cortez Lewis to probably start with Scotty Washington behind him at the S uh, probably Chuck Wade or Alex Bachman in the slot. 
Um, I'm going to make a prediction. I, I think Greg Dortch will ultimately start over Tabari Hines. Uh, I just think he's too talented not to. Maybe it's not at the beginning of the season. I think by the end of the season, he definitely will. Uh, and then we have some interesting players behind them. But, um, you know, I guess if you want to go into more detail, Riley, do you want to go into the, the X receiver first, or, or where should we go now? Yeah, I mean, I, so I think the biggest thing, just overall looking at Wake Forest last year, where the the offense and especially the passing, we had the rotating – door at quarterback where we have Hinton in, we have Wolford in, we had Kearns in for a little bit. Uh, hopefully the injuries will not strike us this year there and we can have some consistency. But the biggest problem with the passing game last year was, well, it just wasn't very good, quite frankly. We had Tabari Hines who caught 38 38- 38 balls for 447 yards, and that was our best receiver. So we had several good options, Hines, Lewis, Bachman, Serenay, um, and Wade, and then Scotty Washington played in there a little bit. But, I mean, there just wasn't a guy who was consistently somebody that either guy could throw to. I know that uh, the tight end clearly can provide a very, very good target there. He had 30 catches on 47 targets. Uh, that's a really good catch rate. It's uh, 53%, which is the uh, highest on the team of the wide receivers. And, and we do tend to use the tight end a lot. So I, I would almost put him in the wide receiver category because he's more of a pass-catching tight end than a, a blocking, a pass-blocking or a run-blocking tight end, as we see him pulled off the field in certain situations where it's clear that he's not going to catch the football. Um, but we've got to get one of these guys to step up. And it seems like the last two or three years, it's just been a huge committee where, you know, all the guys are interchangeable. We're not catching the long balls. If we get a guy open in the long ball, we either underthrow it or we get sacked before we can make the throw. Um, a big play that sticks out to me with the, the play at Duke last year where we connected with Bachman um, for that long, I think it was a 40-, 50-yard play. It might have been longer than that. Oh, but man, it was one of the play on third down. Exactly. And that, in the field goal range, two possession game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and those are the plays that Dave Clawson knows we have to get. We have to be more explosive, and you can't just rely on steadily moving the ball down the field, especially when we, we fail to have a good success rate. So some of that's on the run, some of that's on the path, some of that's on the line, but uh, you can you can win football games in a lot of different ways. You can grind it out, hold the ball, rely on a steady defense, which we try to do, or I think we're trying to do. The defense has been great, and, and sometimes that works. We see that. We went 3 to nothing and 6-3 to three over the last two years, so if you're winning games like that, you're not playing really pretty football, but, but at the end of the day, I think Dave Clawson would love to have an offense that can go out and win football games too like the military bowl last year where the defense may not have a great day the offense picks them up and that's what takes a team that you know four and eight five or seven that that's what could be the difference in a bowl game and uh as we all know there are a lot of bowl games now but that's huge for recruiting so those those individual plays they they snowball become a bowl game here a bowl game there and, and that's big for recruits so you want to be able to sell that um but we just have to have somebody step up, and I think you're dead on with Greg Dorch. He's a guy that really excites me, too, um, in the slot there. The speed that he's got, the quotes from Dave Clawson on him that he's just impressed with what he's doing. Uh, and if he can come in and be the same mold as Tabari Hines, except get into open field and get him the ball a lot and let him make plays, then I, I think we have a really good chance to uh, improve a lot on offense this year. And quite frankly, we have a lot of room to go. Um, just to kind of highlight this, uh, last year we were 110th in offensive S&P Plus ranking, which is, if you're into statistics, a rough Ken Palm equivalent to football. It's a football outsider thing. Bill Connolly does great work. But we were 110th in the uh, 
country, 107th the year before that. So we actually took a small step back as far as where we were relative to the rest of the NCAA. Um, the points per game, we were at 20.4, which was 117th uh, in the country. But that was better than 2015 at the 17.4. So we improved by three points per game. And this kind of leads me into the next question that uh, Les Johns provided. He, more or less, he wants us to quantify what the offense needs to do um, to basically take a step forward this year and help us make another bowl. Rob, do you have any thoughts on what a point per game would be from an increase standpoint that, that would help out the defense and make sure that we get back to that six-win uh, plateau? Well, I unfortunately have not designed an algorithm to calculate the exact number just yet, but you know, I oh, think we're probably going to need. I, I know I'm I'm slacking. I I really think we're going to probably need to be in about the 24 point per game range. I would say, um, just just based on how much harder our, our schedule is in terms of, you know, Notre Dame, a, a tough game against against App State, Syracuse probably going to have to score some points to win that game, um, Boston College a very good defense. So while we may not need to score a whole heck of a lot of points to actually beat them, uh, you're going to need a good offense to put up even 17, 20 points in that game. So, you, you know, we're going to need a good offense. We return about 97% of production offensively. So I think there's room to get to 24 points per game. I think when you add somebody like Greg Dorch, who could, who could make plays on special teams, but also, you know, catch a ball that's only thrown 10 yards in the air and make somebody miss and then, and then take it to the house. I think we have the potential there. We're going to have a more experienced quarterback, no matter who it is. And then I think we're going to have a, a better run game. And, and I think a receiver, I think we have a lot. We should have a better offensive line, which we can talk about here in a few minutes. And then a receiver, I think we have an interesting combination of some guys who are somewhat proven along with some guys who are candidates to, to bounce back to, to previous years where they were better, and then some, uh, you know, other, other breakout candidates who are, you know, freshmen. So I, I think this should definitely be the best offense that, that Clawson has had during his tenure here. Now, while that may not say much, I think it can be by far the best one. So uh, I'm somewhat encouraged, um, but I'd say I think we need to get to about – 24 points per game or so because I'm expecting a somewhat big drop of our defense uh, from last year, mostly because it was just so good last year. Yeah, and I think it's important that we don't get dragged out. We tend to look at our numbers and say, oh, it's improving, it's improving. 20.4 points per game is not very good relative to the rest of the college football um, world. So even if we moved up to 25 points a game, which would be above your projection, which I think yours is a very valid projection, moving up three or four points per game, it's not easy to do, especially when you're uh, as challenged offensively as we have in the last few years. But even if we were to get to 25 points per game, that's still only 94th in the country. So obviously we are playing a lot better competition than, say, Charlotte or Rice or Nevada or South Alabama. But those teams all averaged 25 points a game last year, and we are five points under that. So uh, it's important that we realize that Wake, Wake Forest has a lot of room to go up in offense. And, yes, we are always going to rely on defense this year because the defense is simply – 
ahead of the offense. But uh, I think they, the offense needs to bear some more responsibility for these wins and losses than, than they currently are because right now it's been more of a, well, we're going to go out there, we're going to run it. If we get a first down, great. If not, we'll punt, uh, punt it pin them deep, and then the defense will step up. And, uh, I mean, how many times have we seen our last two years? I mean, almost all of our close games have been won or lost, not whether our offense could score. It's just the defense hold on the last possession of the game because, you know, sometimes they break, sometimes they hold. So I think the offense needs to take more responsibility and ownership in wins or losses uh, than simply saying we're going to turn it back over to the defense. And I think this year is, is, is where we're going to take a step forward. So I agree, we'll see. But I think, I, I think what – Sorry, <laughs> the disadvantage no, no, of not being in the same room. One thought I had here is, you know, Clawson and his staff are so process-oriented, and, and you and I are both, you know, team, team trust the process. So maybe one thing that's encouraging is we really didn't take any shortcuts offensively. Um, at least I hope we didn't. But because if we took shortcuts to right. where we are, that's, <laughs> yeah, that would be all. That's not saying a whole lot. But you know, maybe it's just we've been we've been building, we've been running these these base plays, and, and maybe here's the year we break out. I know I probably sound like it's it's one a.m. and I've been at the bar since eight with some of the things <laughs> I'm saying. You know, maybe we could have a a, a good wake for a offense, and and good's probably strong, but I think they can be watchable this year um and, I, and i'm i'm hopeful and i'm hearing some good comments from from Clawson and, and and you know he's an honest guy and he's a straight shooter with upper management written all over him as, as you like to say so um yeah you know, and i mean i'm, I'm somewhat yeah. encouraged yeah, and you look at the lineup here this year just kind of I'm, I'm not adding it up right now but the updated uh projected lineup we've got a ton of redshirt juniors and redshirt sophomores uh, at the starting position uh and we've got a ton of younger guys at the backup position is which is kind of what you want that's the whole the whole plan you want juniors and seniors starting especially if you're a wake forest team if you've got freshmen that are coming in yes it could mean that you know he he's a really good recruit and he's out playing somebody but a guy who was a senior in high school four months ago shouldn't be beating out a guy who's been here for three years, like there's something seriously wrong with that, um, especially since most of our guys, for better or worse, are high three, low four-star guys, middle three-star guys. So uh, those guys aren't shouldn't be coming in and just taking over starting roles, especially on the offensive line and, and kind of headed this direction. Uh, Coach Clawson talked a lot about the offensive line in his comments last week and also this week, and we've kind of seen some uh, some new new names in there. Javante Nash is uh, a redshirt freshman, and he is competing for the starting position at right tackle, um, likely between redshirt sophomore Jake Benzinger and uh, the aforementioned redshirt freshman Javante Nash. Um, the other guys are all redshirt juniors or above. I think the other four positions are set with uh, Justin Heron at left tackle, Phil Haynes at left guard, Ryan Anderson back to his normal position at center, and uh, Patrick Osterhage at right guard. But there's a big battle going on at right tackle there. Um, so we'll kind of see how that goes. I, I think it, 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 it's not reassuring to me that a redshirt freshman, especially a guy like Nash, who obviously there's nothing wrong with him, but he was an 83 according to the 247 uh, composite. So it's not like he came in as an 88 or an 89, and we were like, oh, he'll, he will contend from day one. But uh, other, uh, he's a guy who's coming in and just he might take over a starting spot, and that, that that's good for him, but – 
it concerns me as a whole as to the development of the offensive line. And it seems like it's been years since we've had a line that we could just rely on to consistently block and get us uh, to a position where we can get three or four yards per play, which is obviously the goal to stay on track. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts overall on his comments as well as, uh, I guess, individual positioning at the offensive line as you see it right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess overall, I'm I'm somewhat encouraged about the offensive line. I, I, like most other situations on our offense, there's there's really nowhere to go but up. But one thing I will say about about Nash, and while it is you know potentially slightly concerning that a, that a redshirt soft can come in, or a redshirt freshman can can win the starting role, I will say one thing about Nash. I, I do believe he was first team All State in seven A Florida. Um, which, you know, I, th- I think that says something yeah. about his talent level, um, So, which is encouraging. And, and another thing, you know, you look at all the redshirt juniors we had two years ago, obviously they were redshirt freshmen at Haynes and Haran. I, I mean, or you know, really they didn't face much competition two years ago uh, when, when they were named starters, um, when they were both redshirt freshmen. So I think it's, you know, the encouraging thing here is that, we're to a point where, well, maybe now a redshirt freshman is, is earning it a little bit um, and not just a, by default is, is he starting. So I, th- I think that could be encouraging. I think, you know, we have a number of interesting pieces backing it up, but, but Clawson still says it's not really 10 to 12 deep, um, which is, you know, where you would want it to be, but obviously it's going to be a position that it takes time. I mean, I mean really, you know, I guess we say this about the, the entire offense. We need to get it to the point where it's not just a liability and can at least – you know, do something for you because uh, so much of of the offense depends upon the offensive line. Um, and I know Edward was, you know, Edward Foster does a great job uh, for us over over at BSD. You know, can the offensive line hold for two to three seconds? Well, you can't have a vertical passing game without an offensive line. It's tough to have a good running game. It's tough to have even an intermediate passing game uh, if the quarterbacks can't be protected for a few seconds. So I think we're to a point where uh, we have, you know, at least a reasonable starting starting unit and, and a few quality backups, and we're going to need it uh, in the ACC being as good on the defensive line as they are, and we're going to need that especially week two against against Boston College. So they're they're going to have to Absolutely. be ready. They're going to be tested. So, um, you know, I'm I'm encouraged about our offensive line, but um, we'll we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to obviously scapegoat the offensive line by any means, but to overly simplify football on the offensive side of things, if you can't A, snap the ball to the quarterback consistently, or B, block the guys who are trying to stop the quarterback and or running back, then you are obviously not going to do very well offensively. So at the risk of oversimplifying everything, you know, when you look at problems, where is it breaking down? Well, are we – are we able to get the ball to the line if we're handing it off? Can he get back to the line of scrimmage before he's getting touched or is he getting rushed in? If we're throwing it, do we have time to evaluate what's going on on the field or if there's a guy in the backfield? And this is particularly important with Kendall Hinton and John Wolford because they are both slightly undersized as quarterbacks in the ACC. So if you add the fact in that there's a defensive end or defensive tackle or a linebacker, whoever it may be, blitzing up the middle, that even further impedes his ability to see the field and throw it out there, which makes the running game very important. But, you know, 
the offensive line just has to do better. And I, the the reason we were successful throughout Grove's years, yes, we had a very very good defense. The offensive numbers weren't overall that that good either. I don't think back in '06 and '08 we had a year in '07 I think with Skinner where we threw the ball all, all over the field and we 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 played pretty well. And I think we had a pretty reasonable point per game. But if you look at the years that Wake was very good at offense, it was when we could run the ball with Chris Barclay with a huge offensive line, guys like Tyson Claybo, uh, Steve Vallis, those kind of guys, those are who we need. And uh, I don't know if it's just – I don't think it's a recruiting issue because the guys are young and it takes time to build. Like you said, we're trusting the process as far as developing a lineup that we can put out there and uh, rely on. But, it, it, yeah, it, it starts to get frustrating when you see these anemic offensive numbers over the last five, six years, and, and you're trying to identify what the the variables are here. And, and you look at the offensive line, and if you don't if you don't block, you're just not going to win football games. It's hard to football is hard enough when you are blocking, and if we're consistently on the run of the quarterback position and we can't even get back to the line with the running back, then you're just not going to win football games. Um, Aside from that, you know, he, he made another interesting comment about, especially the backups, when they're trying to get guys reps, they try to pin them into one position because if you have them flipping around, obviously I am not an offensive lineman, and if you saw my stature, you would know why that's somewhat funny. I am not built like a lineman <laughs> in, in any way, shape, or form of the word. But there appear to be, and there obviously are, very different techniques where if you're a left tackle or, or you're a right guard or – Clearly, the center is a completely different position all over because you're snapping the ball, making the calls, and then blocking. Um, so if you're trying to get guys reps and practices, uh, often, young guys, freshmen, redshirt freshmen, guys that might not even play this year, you want them to be at one position and know that's their position because if you're hopping around a right guard, left tackle, right tackle center, you're just not getting the fundamentals that you need. So that, that, was, a, that was something that, of course, I've thought about, but it makes you think when you see how much the rotations have been over the last two years – um, and, and where guys have played different positions, like look at Ryan Anderson, right tackle center. I think he even played some guard his, his first year in. Uh, it, it's hard for a guy to be successful, and while he may be a redshirt junior and he has the general gist of the offense and what to do, uh, he's still quote-unquote relatively new at his position if he's only gotten a third of the reps throughout his collegiate career at the center position. So hopefully moving forward, the goal is to get guys in early. You know you're the right guard. You know you're the left guard. You're the left tackle, and so forth that way when you it is your third and fourth year you have gone through four years of snaps at left tackle and you know that's your position so I think there's something to be said for having guys that can plug in holes to come in if there are injuries oh he can fill in at x y and z but for starters I want a guy who is just a left tackle. He's not a right tackle. He's not a center. And, I mean, you don't have guys out there that are learning multiple positions. You don't have quarterbacks that are learning wide out and running back stuff, too. They're quarterback for a reason because that's their position. So I understand it's a little more interchangeable on the line, but, but I, think, uh, I think having set and permanent positions is very important as far as getting reps early in the career and then developing the players as they move forward. So hopefully we're getting to a point where we can, uh, we can have some success and some uh, continuity continuity there but I, I guess we'll see and if, if this year is I guess another year like last year where we kind of struggle to block up front do all that I think we have to look at what are we doing 
wrong that other teams are doing? Like, what can we possibly do to get better up front? Because I don't know if it's a recruiting issue. I don't know if it's a blocking technique issue. And I, quite frankly, I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently on the, the, the two-point two stance for three-point stance. But do you want to try something else? It's what are the teams doing that are working? How do we do that? So um, do you have anything to add on, on to that? Not just the technique, but I guess the, uh, the continuity and how we can continue to get better at the offensive line? Yeah, I think continuity would be would be unbelievably important, and you know, I I think it's it's a, it's a little bit of the the Mike Tyson quote about everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd have uh, well, in a perfect world, we'd recruit these all, all level offensive linemen, and we could we could put them into these finite. Okay, you're on the left tackle track, you're on the left guard track. Um, it's it's a little bit harder to do, and I think you know we just get we get beat up as the years go. So you sort of got to put in plug in place and some band-aids and honestly just, just for survival. So they will develop, but, but as you mentioned, they're probably not developing exactly at the rate you would want to just because they're having to learn multiple, multiple positions. And I know some receivers have to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I like, you know, I'd like to just say, okay, you're, you're going to play, left guard or, or whatever it is. And I think right. another thing too, that I don't have any stats to back this up, but it feels like, you know, anecdotally uh, we struggled with procedural penalties last year in terms of, yep. um, you know, false, false starts and holding. You can, you can, you don't want to excuse, but that that's more of a, I guess it can be a mental mistake if you make a, a bad, bad decision and try and make up for it with a penalty. But um, you know, we have to, part of staying on schedule is, is avoiding these false starts. And, and we, our offense is not good enough. I mean, most offenses aren't good enough to sacrifice losing five yards, but we cannot give up a, a free five yards. That, that might as well be an that's, – that's signing us up pretty much on the dotted line for, for a punt um, as, as for, or an interception as far as I'm concerned. So I'd, I'd – one thing I'd really like to see, and hopefully we will see with a more experienced offensive line of these more reps, is is just a better understanding in terms of snap count, in terms of being able to, to keep calm and, and not jump, not fidget, and not draw the, these bad penalties because that, that has killed us, and, and we cannot beat ourselves. Um, so that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on this year. Yeah, and I, I definitely think the penalties are uh... – you're right on with that. And actually, just I don't have the offense and defense breakdown numbers, but I do have the total. So last year we had 61 total penalties throughout the year, um, which is four and a half a game, which is actually much lower than I thought. We actually ranked 10th nationally in yards per game worth of penalties. So um, that tells you a couple things. One, we are fairly disciplined across the board, but it also means we're getting a lot of five-yard penalties, which goes to your point, those tend to be procedural penalties, whether they're fault starts, offside, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and obviously, Wake Forest is not built to overcome large deficits and uh, or move the ball down the field in big chunks of plays. Um, but hopefully that'll get, get a little bit better here uh, as we continue to bring more talent in. And if they can respect, if guys have to respect our running game and we can develop that, then, then they actually have to uh, maybe step out and try to defend the pass. Because right now they're just jamming eight guys in the box every single week and saying run on us. It, 
we're, we don't care if you throw because we know a you can't complete it. B if you get the if, if can you even get the throw off and C it, it's a fifty fifty ball especially if it's hitting in there. Uh, it, it's an intermediate route then maybe we want them throwing it anyway. So there's a lot of things that have to improve for the offense of the hole to get better. Um, but I'm optimistic. I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, I guess a, a good question is, uh, and we've got about seven minutes here, and we've got a couple questions that we kind of touched on already, but this is a question that I'm kind of thinking overall and something we may want to assess after the year. Is Dave Clawson's offensive philosophy and what he does at Bowling Green, what he did at Fordham and Richmond, obviously it worked at those levels. And uh, can it work in the ACC, or is he not have the personnel in yet? Do you – I don't know if you've thought about that overall but do you think it's a personnel and philosophy offensive philosophy issue or do you think we just don't have the guys in yet to do it um i probably don't know enough to make an educated guess but that's never stopped me before so i will say hey we're we're here we got seven minutes so you might as well go (laughs) you know i think it can work i think you know ideally he'd love to have you know some some multiple tight ends but he'd like to be sort of equal opportunity on offense, establish the run. I mean, I, I think it can be done. I think uh, if you're recruiting at the level that Wake is, which which is better, but relative to some of the other teams in the conference, I think um, it, it gets difficult. And I, I think we, we would definitely have some sort of some sort of ceiling. Um, I'm not suggesting we run the you know the triple option like Georgia Tech does, but one one reason Georgia Tech has does what they do is they're able to differentiate themselves. Um, and, and they've had a lot of success doing it with ACC championships, ACC championship game um, appearances. So I, I, you know, I, I think Colossians, I think, you know, I think it's set up well for Wake. I think it can be set up to the point that we're now hopefully starting to get some consistently good recruits. We got the depth chart sort of right-sided where we can have a lot of upperclassmen going in our offense and just, just be solid, be steady, uh, be consistent. And I think Wake's going to be a school that's going to rely on defense overall just because I think it's easier to get those athletes on the side of the ball um, being, being the kind of school that we are. So I, I think it can be good for us. Um, I don't think we're ever going to, to light the world on fire, uh, but I think it can be you know solid and steady for, for us. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and uh, just I'll touch on this, and I know I've talked about this especially a lot off air, but at Wake Forest, you know that we are not going to get a ton of five stars in here. It just doesn't make sense from the academic requirements and what the school fit is. Um, But what we can do is provide something unique. So what I've always wanted to see on the offensive side of the ball is to brand ourselves either as a triple option team where you can do that, or what I would like to see is basically become a Baylor, spread them out, throw it deep, only field only, field only, not academics or anything else going on at that school, but emulate what they're doing offensively. And not only that, I would go, I would get on the never punt bandwagon. You know my thoughts on that, but how, how fun is it if you're an offensive guy and you're between Wake and Duke and you're like, well, I, I'm a wide receiver, I can go play at Duke, I can go play at Wake. Well, one team never punts, so I'm literally out there for more plays. So not only is it statistically advantageous, but it also provides a recruiting edge where we stick out. We're different. We go for it on fourth down, so it makes sense logically. And, yeah, of course, it puts pressure on defense if you fail. We all understand that. But I think the payoff is well worth it if you're going to say, hey, look at us. We're different. So you can go to Duke, Baylor, Stanford, or Wake. What does Wake stick out on those schools? We don't. So, uh, I mean, and that doesn't even mention 
even the, the uh, more powerful public school teams. So I would like to see eventually moving forward in a perfect world just uh, differentiate ourselves by doing something that no other team does. Um, so whether that's not punting or triple option or, you know, whatever that unique style is. So I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, but we can talk about that. I could go an entire podcast on that. So if people are interested, hey, then we can well, dive more into that. But you know, I agree with you there, and I think, you know, one thing that's interesting, I think we, you know, we have a, a bright staff. Uh, if you if you look at, if you hear their comments and you look at their, edu- you know, where they went to school, they're, they're bright people. And I think, you know, I think we would be a staff that would embrace analytics. Um, I don't know if we would go all the Absolutely. way to that one high school in Alabama or wherever, wherever it was where he never punched, but, um, you know, we're doing this thing with the program from Northwestern that helps us. Uh, give an analytical edge in recruiting in terms of identifying people who are more likely to commit. So I think that's a sign that, that we're embracing some things, doing something a little bit differently to help us get an edge. So, um, and I agree with you. I, I, you know, wouldn't mind seeing us go to some kind of bailout offense and differentiate ourselves, but uh, excited to see us take some of those steps in the right direction. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that we have to be Pulaski Academy from day one and never punt, but I no, think going for it, it – it, yeah, the Arkansas team. If you are interested in reading about that, I would not just you, the global you, anybody, um, to read about the advantages of going for it on fourth down as opposed to punting, especially if it, you're approaching midfield and it's a short yard situation. Quite frankly, the stats show that you're better off going for it from a, a point standpoint. You're probably going to allow points anyway to get the ball at the 50. If you pin them deep, I mean, yeah, even with the best punter, they, they, it's more than likely just playing a field position game. So the benefits way heavily outweigh the, the, the negatives, especially over time. So we've got about 30 seconds left here, Rob, so I'll just do kind of a rapid fire here. We touched on it, but if the season started right now, Kendall Hinton or John Wolford, who are you going with? Thanks to John Walsh for the question. I'm going with Kendall Hinton. Who are you going with? I think I, – I know last week I said Hinton is probably the guy, and I know I'm waffling on this a little bit, but I think I want to see what Wolford has to offer because he is the better quarterback right now. And if we're trying to win this year, then I think he can play mostly this year. Hinton gets some snaps, but Wolford gives us the best chance to win this year. So um, those are my thoughts, and uh, obviously – would love to hear everybody else's thoughts. So if you have any questions, feel free to send them to us or comment on the blog. Next week we will be talking about the defensive side of the ball as well as some special teams. And we're getting into football season, folks. So uh, stay tuned to the site. We should have a lot of good stuff up this week. But uh, as always, go Deeks. Go Deeks.